boy, to be a private eye. Babes, bullets flying around everywhere. Good chance one of them might hit you. <laughs> I'd be a great private eye. Yep. Jack Dallas's new partner, Al Bundy. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a whoop on? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. And here are your hosts, Dan, Jamie, and Al. You're listening to the Married with Children Podcast, the show that Puts the bump in the bump shabump. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Al. Show dick. <laughs> Took me a minute. <laughs> 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 Jamie loves her detective Pooh Bear. <laughs> ah. All right. Now, uh, it's a miracle I'm even on this show since I learned to talk when I was 10 years old. <laughs> and I'm Dan. Hey, Jamie, the phone's dead. Don't worry, I'll call him. <laughs> wow, yeah, that should work. <clears throat> show dick. <laughs> show dick. We are reviewing Al Bundy Shoe Dick. Season 6, episode 11. Original air date, November 24th, 1991. Director, Jerry Cohen. Writer, Larry Jacobson. Special guest stars, Tracy Lords as Vanessa Van Pelt. David Setterholm as Bruce Van Pelt. Anthony James as Adolph Van Pelt. Nicole Chamberlain. <laughs> it's written weird. It would be Chamberlain, but I'm not sure. As Tanya Van Pelt, Frank Lloyd as Leonard Van Pelt, David Wells as Sandy, Ron Levitt as Jack Dallas, John Randolph as Colonel Van Pelt, Al dreams he's a private eye watching out for a beautiful heiress. Behind every mediocre man is a magnificent woman. You stink. Peg Bundy is back on an all-new Married with Children Sunday. Al and Peg are sleeping in bed, so Peg Bundy, Katie Seagull, is back. Yes. But one person who's not in this episode is Jefferson. Boo. Yeah. So she's back, he's out. <laughs> They're in bed, sleeping. Al is in a fetal position, looking like he's having, I don't know, what kind of dream. <laughs> he's so far over on the bed, too. <laughs> Peg is mad at what Al did in her dream. <laughs> you stink. <laughs> Why'd you turn down that job? What job? Well, the job I dreamed Lee Iacocca offered you when he came into the shoe store. You're mad at me for something I did in a dream? Well, you don't do anything when I'm awake. <laughs> Al, 
out. Put down the book. I'm going to sleep. So Al starts reading this book, Final Exit. <laughs> it's called Final Exit, The Practicalities of Self-Deliverance and Assisted Suicide <laughs> for the Dying, <laughs> which is an actual book published in 1991. Yep, I got it. I read it three times. What? <laughs> Another man is seen reading the book in season 10's The Weaker Sex. Wow. Um, I think the book was slightly ineffective if you're still here, Alex. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention. You know when you zone out and you're reading and then you have to go and go back to the page you were at before? <laughs> well, lucky for us, you zoned out during reading that book. <laughs> it It's wild to me that that book ever got published. It just seems... Because assisted suicide is not a thing that's legal, so... (laughs) And suicide is out this year. Um, But homicide is a very more therapeutic expression. No, but, like, (laughs) I I thought for sure that was a joke. For sure. Well, right. You'd You'd think it was, but no, I guess it's an actual book. Wow. It's like a Dr. Kevorkian book. Yeah, right. Now, this title, Al Bundy Shoe Dick... I looked up the meaning, and there is none. <laughs> I assume it's just because, like, private dick. Right. Like, private eye. Oh, is private dick something? Yeah. What does that mean? A private detective. Like, dick is... Dick Tracy? Dick is a detective. Oh, I thought Dick Tracy was his name. It is. But I think that's even a, a play on the He's thing. a dick, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh. Just like you, Alex. <laughs> a show dick. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I didn't know that. See, we all learned something here. Not just everyone listening. Right, exactly. It's a growing experience. <laughs> Why don't you get a second job? You know, lots of families are two-income families. Uh, see, Peg, two incomes means that two people, you know, in the same family. Work. Well, I don't have two husbands in this family. <laughs> Oh, come on, Al. It would just mean you have to work eight hours more a day. I mean, you waste more time than that sleeping. (laughs) That's so ruthless. (laughs) Like, what a horrible thing to say. She's like, you're wasting the eight hours on sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) That is a classic Peg joke. It is. It is. You know? Yeah, Peg is very much um, back to form, so to speak. Um, Literally and figuratively. But, like... Uh, in this episode in particular. Yeah, right back in the saddle, like uh, nothing, like she didn't skip a beat. Although there is one thing that has been out of character that she did in this episode. I can't wait to get to that. Are you going to remember? Oh, no, never mind. It's the next episode. Scratch that. <laughs> Guess not. Okay. <laughs> so uh, Al basically says... He would be suicidal if he had to work another eight hours a day because he puts the hand motion gun up to his head. Peg doesn't really care. Oh, come on, honey. If you don't do it for me, just think of Kelly and Bud. Aren't they worth another eight hours? Kids! And then they call them in the, in the middle of the night, mind you, and the kids arrive at the door within seconds. I mean, this is a very efficient home. Right. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, they weren't um, in too deep of a sleep. <laughs> yeah. So they're wearing these comical shirts. Buds says, first in line for loving. 
And Kelly has a badass shirt that says Property of Chicago Jail. <laughs> I love that. That would be like a cool shirt to – oh, never mind. She's 18, <laughs> but still. <laughs> the defense rests. <laughs> Get out. To conclude, Peg, you can stab me with knives, you can beat me with clubs, you can make me open my eyes while we're having sex. <laughs> but believe me, Peg, there is nothing you can do or say that will ever make me consider getting another job. Oh, I forgot to tell you, honey. I joined the Record of the Month Club, so we have to cut back on a few household expenses. Dad, the phone's dead. Don't worry, I'll call them. (laughs) The power and the phone go out because Peg has not been paying the bills with Al's one income. Now, right there, do you think that Peggy would be in charge of the bills? See, that's where... Oh, God, they would never get paid. Well, right? Exactly. Like, I understand it works for the joke, but there's no way that Al would leave that kind of business to Peggy. It just wouldn't happen. No. I don't see that happening. (laughs) So Al goes ahead and (laughs) applies for a second job. He walks into room 319, Jack Dallas, private eye. He goes there for apparently a janitorial job. So why is he dressed up in a suit like that? You know, you go to a job interview, you dress right. nice. You know? Yeah, but... Who cares if it's a janitor job, you want to present yourself. <laughs> right. I think, well, obviously that was for our benefit, too. So, like, we're supposed to think, oh, he's going to get a cool job at a detective agency. <laughs> and then, you know, he hands him the mob. It's funny. <laughs> and it does obviously double as uh, if he was dressed in a typical janitor outfit that if the girl walked in, she wouldn't think he was a private Ivy just for saying he was, you know? So that was pure comedy. That's one of those things that um, <laughs> you have to realize you're watching a comedy. <laughs> I am a master of the custodial arts. <laughs> but it's my job to point that out because what else would we talk about here? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> What makes you the show dick? Yeah, I am a dick for saying that, (laughs) pointing out that he's not wearing janitorial-like clothing. Jack leaves the office for a bit, or permanently, I I suppose. Oh, duh, and we have to mention that Jack Dallas is played by Ron Levitt, one of the show creators. He was in a total of four Married with Children's. We already said that he was the guy in the elevator and one down, two to go. He was Jack Dallas in this episode. He shows up again in England, show part one, and he shows up in 1992 as a passerby with Biggins magazine in the Chicago <laughs> Wine Party. Boy, to be a private eye. Babes, and bullets flying around everywhere. Good chance one of them might hit you. <laughs> I'd be a great private eye. Yep. Al Bundy, trouble is my business. I carry a mop. I clean a detective's bathroom. Mr. Dallas (laughs) 
want to live. <laughs> so Tracy Lords walks in. Yes, she does. Now, do you guys feel like this is your first episode again on the show? Oh, that was the first episode. I'll tell Hello, you what. Nurse. Hello, nurse. Yeah. She was a dental assistant. Assistant, yeah. And uh, tooth or consequences. Right, yeah. I just love Tracy Lords. I, I know. Do. Yeah. She really is badass. Uh, I will get to an aspect. We, yeah, we're not going to talk about her because we obviously already went as in-depth as we should on this show in the episode tooth or consequences it was dan and jamie's first appearance uh as co-hosts on this this podcast so if you want to hear more about tracy lords go to that episode no i'm actually my name is uh al bundy i'm uh, jack dallas's new partner sit down show me your tail i mean tell (laughs) tell me your tail it all started a few months ago. She was a sultry dame, dressed to the nines, except for a pair of cheap pumps. Man, was she a looker. She had more curves than the Matterhorn at Disneyland. And there didn't appear to be any Japanese tourists standing in line ahead of me waiting for the ride. She was some dish. Hot as my neighbor's dinner. By the way, why don't I ever eat dinner? Oh, well, that's another case. Oh, my God, she's crossing her legs. She's telling Al about the case, and instead of paying attention, he's doing this thinking, narrating to us thing, which is uh, a trope of old-school detective flicks. Like... I, I can't really place which one. I'm not a big uh, watcher of those, but that's obviously a thing. Yeah. Well, it's very – it's just straight-up film noir, which mostly was detective stuff. Yeah. So she's Vanessa Van Pelt in this episode. And I love this whole thing with Al talking over it. It really gives a great – vibe to this episode and it actually it makes the episode like honestly and and i think all the writing is pretty strong Mm -hmm. of everything he thinks to himself yeah yeah really strong you know he um ed o'neill previously played a detective during the 1980s in films such as cruising which is an that's an interesting one um (laughs) barrel for the people and popeye doyle wow I have never seen Feral for the People, but I know the other two. I've seen the other two. Um, He would also play a detective after Married with Children in shows and films such as L.A. Dragnet and The Bone Collector, which I've also seen. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, so the detective office looks pretty cool. It's a good Mm -hmm. little set. I like it. Believable. Yeah, when Jack Dallas's door opens, you can see the office across from the detective agency is the Acme Rocket Company, <laughs> a reference to Acme Corporation, a fictional store in the Roadrunner cartoons that sells outlandish products that end up backfiring on Wile E. Coyote. And of <laughs> course, people ever since then have used Acme all over the place. And some kind of goofy comedy, you'd see like a a safe fall on somebody's head that had the Acme logo on it or something like that, you know. 
Yeah, it's weird because I used to shop at Acme when I and I actually still do, in a weird way still do because there was an Acme right around the corner from our house and that was our supermarket all through the eighties and nineties. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, and it was always weird to see that. So as I moved, you don't see it anymore. <laughs> then I moved like three more times, and now on the way home from work. There's an Acme on the way home, and if, if I don't have to get a lot, but just like a few key things, I'll pull in there and get it. Just go home because it's easier than going to the other one. You'll pull in and drive right into the wall because you think it's a tunnel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody painted a big tunnel on, on the side of the wall. That was good, Dave. Dave. <laughs> hey, yo, that's what I do. <laughs> Why am I Dave? Hey, yeah, uh, what can I say? <laughs> Dave, that was awesome. That was good, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Dave. So what do you think, Mr. Bundy? What? <laughs> About my problem. I guess I should have been listening. <laughs> How would a real P.I. handle this? I know. <coughs> what? My uncle, the great explorer... Colonel Franklin Van Pelt is about to bequeath a famous diamond known as the Pharaoh's Eye to a member of my family. I know he's going to leave it to me. So do all of my other relatives. I need you to be at the family ceremony and protect me in my bequest. Will you take the case, Mr. Bundy? Cross your legs the other way, baby. Mr. Bundy. What? Al just keeps looking at her legs, which is awesome, because that, that is the thing to do, since her uh, top isn't exposed enough. <laughs> <laughs> the case. Will you take it? I need your help desperately. I wanted to tell her the truth, but one look into her troubled thighs. <laughs> And I knew I had to play this out to the bitter end, or at least until I saw some hooter. I don't have much to offer. How does a hundred bucks sound? Oh, I'll pay. So now we're inside this mansion. They do an outdoor shot with this fake rain effect. <laughs> I, I love me some fake rain. And I love how they had to do that for the whole crux of this whole episode. You know, it's like they had to actually put that there. <laughs> right. So they're like, oh, damn it. So they're in uh, the mansion. They're at this big, long table. All the Van Pelts are sitting around the table. So this was my case, protecting the babe from her family. They were an ugly bunch, but the old man, the colonel, seemed like a decent guy. I think he felt a bond between us. I guess I should pay attention to what he's saying. <laughs> what? Your foot is on my cat. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, how random is that? <laughs> so the old dude is Colonel Van Pelt. His, like we said, his name is John Randolph. Now, most people recognize him from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. He was Griswold's dad. Oh, that was it. Okay. Yep. Yep. Passed away in February 24th, 2004. He was also in You've Got Mail. Escape. You've Got Mail. From the Planet of the Apes and Serpico. Now, I am just going to try to, like, put these 
names to the faces, I, I'm not really sure. The one we are sure of, though, apparently, is Frank Lloyd, who played Norris in the earlier episodes. Remember how he said he'd be back a ton of times but never playing Norris? Yes. Well, he's Leonard Van Pelt here. Now, I'm sure that... We we could have taken better notes and put all the names of faces, but it's fun to guess. So I'm just going to say that he's the guy who plays like the slow one with the weird teeth. <laughs> right. Where he's like, daddy or whatever. <laughs> that had to have Which been. is a great reveal, by the way. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, it's got to be you, the mastermind. <laughs> and then he comes and then he just talks. <laughs> yeah, the mastermind. <laughs> with that bad wig. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. I can't believe that's him, though. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. The bland guy that is kind of like the boring nobody who was sitting at the left front, like if we're looking at it closest to us to the left, he is David Setterholm. He's known for Hunt for Red October, The Prowler, Ryan's Hope, and Arcade. He comes back to Marry with Children in 1995 in Love Conquers Al as Philip. Hello, Philip. This guy, uh, Anthony James. Oh, Anthony James is in a ton of stuff. Right. He's the guy with both hooks for hands. Sorry, I just blew a big reveal. (laughs) (laughs) He's Adolf Van Pelt. A lot of people know him for Naked Gun 2.5, Unforgiven, In the Heat of the Night, and High Plains Drifter. He is a character actor that has been around forever he showed up a lot in like 70s exploitation movies he's often like the creepy guy oh yeah he plays the creepy guy really well or he'll play a chauffeur or i mean just random stuff but he always is the look like he just looks very imposing not like in a big like a a big burly scary kind of way just more in a creepy way Like he's gonna ruin your day (laughs) yeah. <laughs> was he ever a patient uh, of Dr. Quinn's? Medicine woman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Why? Probably. Uh, isn't that a prerequisite for being on Mad Witch? Oh. <laughs> that or Freddy's Nightmares. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, I think he played Freddy Krueger. <laughs> and the last person, I think we're, we're nailing all these right. I think, And the last person it, who played Tanya Van Pelt is Nicole Chamberlain. <laughs> <laughs> She's the one who says, who keeps touching my breasts? She is known for Pauly, Bikini Island, Plan B, and believe it or not, she's known for this. So that means she didn't do too much. She only did six <laughs> credits. <laughs> she's known for this. Imagine that. I'll be right back. I'm just going to get my coat out of the car. Uncle keeps it just freezing in here. As I watched her leave, I suddenly realized he really did put the bump in the bump she bump. (laughs) I think I said that out loud. So uh, Tracy Lords leaves and says she's going to go get her coat because it's chilly in there and she's going to go out in the rain to do it. So she leaves, and then Al is standing by the old dude. Oh, well. I looked over the family. You could tell they hate the old guy. Sure, he was paying the bills. 
But from the look of Vanessa's shoes, he was as tight as the skin on Joan Rivers' face. All right, you fruits and vegetables. It's time now to see which one of you pond scum will get the prize of the Van Pelt family. Oh, Uncle, we don't care about the jewel. We just want you to live forever. Nice set of lips to reach by Heine from there. <laughs> ah, that's a good one, Colonel Van Sanders. How are you? Your worst nightmare. A shoe man with a badge. No. My worst nightmare is a hooker with cold hands. Because he's going to be dying pretty soon. Oh, but didn't we say he died in 2004? Man, they would have had to wait a long time for him. <laughs> if they didn't kill him. Yeah, they would have had to kill him. They had to. So you can't blame these people. This guy wouldn't die. Exactly. I mean, Jesus, 2004. Right. I'd be like, dude, this... <laughs> yeah. Year after I graduated. <laughs> oh, I wish I could say that. <laughs> From what? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? Yeah. Oh my God, are you serious? <laughs> Dead serious, isn't that weird? Oh Jesus! I graduated in '97, dude. Oh my God, Jamie. I graduated in '93. Wow, this is crazy. Let's let's try to get out of this. I'm getting depressed again. I'm gonna start reading that book again. All right, <laughs> final exit. Let's go. This time, I'm gonna pay attention. <laughs> I'm like Kelly when I read a book. I start thinking of Rocky and Bullwinkle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I won't keep you ferrets waiting any longer. The new owner of the Pharaoh's Eye shall be... (laughs) Who turned the lights off? Who's touching my breath? (laughs) Don't shoot me. I'm a shoe salesman. (laughs) What's happened? The lights go out. This guy is stabbed to death. The lights go back. Oh, yeah, and someone's breasts get touched. <laughs> Wait, yes, that's weird. The lights go out, breasts get touched. They go on in a relatively short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And Al's holding a knife in his hand with blood on it. Right. If you're not watching a comedy, you would say, how did Al get that knife in his hand? How come his hands weren't full of something else at that point? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's a lot of work in like two seconds. It is a lot of work. Just to stab him would take longer than that. They they do that all the time. How many times have you seen this scene in um, you know movies or uh, you know comedy setups uh, like this too, where the lights will just go out for two seconds? And someone and screams. Like, yeah. <laughs> someone screams, and there's like so much work done in within five <laughs> seconds. It's yeah, like, they've uh, repainted the walls, laid right. down new carpet. <laughs> exactly. Like you couldn't be that efficient with the lights on. How the hell are you doing this in the dark? Right. Right, exactly. <laughs> I couldn't find Al's hand. <laughs> I wish you Buffalo Bill and you have those goggles. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe she had those. <laughs> I mean, maybe somebody had those. Right. Yeah, oh. Because I have no idea who killed this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody move! 
I suspect everyone, and I suspect no one. What are you looking at? Go, <laughs> oh, Mama. He killed our beloved uncle. And worse yet, he's stolen the Pharaoh's eye. Oh, Mama! <laughs> <laughs> Al's home, though, so he was able to just go home after that. <laughs> so let me get this straight. Now, you went for a job as a janitor. You took a case as a private detective, and now you're wanted for murder? Essentially. <laughs> well, then can I have my allowance now? I'm wanted for murder, you dolts! Any second now, the cops are going to track me down and send me to the Huskow. I could use a little help. I have a plan, Daddy. It would be you, Pumpkin. Now, Daddy, the cops are probably watching the airports and the train stations and the bus stations, right? Well, there is one way out. You could dig a hole to China. I saw Bugs Bunny do it once. Daffy never found him. Won't work if you're a flat earther. Oh, yeah, he would just fall through and just fall forever, I guess, right? I guess. I don't I don't know because they're crazy. <laughs> exactly. Come on, try to think like a crazy person. You ever notice that the Flat Earther people always uh, subscribe to, like, every other conspiracy theory, like, ever known to man as well? Well, I mean, yeah, well, once you've gone that far, may as well keep going. I know, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pumpkin, if Daddy gets the chair, would you sit in his lap one last time? I'd be honored. <laughs> Look, Dad, it's obvious you cannot hide out here. Why? Why, you figure this is the first place the cops will come? No, I got a girl coming over, and quite frankly, you embarrass me. <laughs> like, he thinks, he thinks Bud's concerned that Al will get caught if he stays. Right. And, like, why is that? Yeah, you're a great detective. Well, you figured out that they might go to your house first to look for you? Right. <laughs> that Yeah, that might be the first place, Al. <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not. <laughs> uh, so there's a $50,000 that, – that number just keeps popping up on this show. $50,000 yep. reward. Al, Al, I just heard it on the radio. There's a $50,000 reward on your head. We've got to act fast. Here, put on this hat. Put on this coat. Put on this cup. So I ran. You would, too, if you had a price on your head and a bad burrito in your belly. It's amazing how many locked bathrooms there are in Chicago. Despite the cops being in front of the house, you see the sirens and everything, Al escapes again and even can go ahead and, and call everybody <laughs> to get them together. And they all say, yeah, sure, I don't, I'll listen to you, the guy who's a random detective who stabbed the guy. Who stabbed our uncle? Yeah, let's all get together, like he says. I was tired of running. I knew what I had to do. <laughs> I think you have a little plumbing problem in there. Anyhow, 
I called you all together here tonight because I knew that the one person who had the diamond would not be here. But we're all here. And forget I said that. <laughs> and they're all in the library now, which is another great set. Everything looks great in this episode. I agree. <clears throat> the detective agency, the the big table, the library. The worst looking thing was the outside of the mansion with the fake rain. Well, I mean, that's just <laughs> right. charming. <laughs> yeah, it's the same. Like, I like that. I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Remember, show dick. <laughs> Al just basically walks around the room accusing everyone. <laughs> like, you would think he... But here's what really happened. <laughs> it was the butler. <laughs> it's just like a, a funny thing. Like, he just goes through and he figures that one of them will say, how did you know? Or so, you know, like, well, let me just accuse everyone. So one of them got to be guilty. <laughs> right. What I meant to say was that the killer is you. And just what do you base that on? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Which is why the culprit is you. Oh, sorry, Dick. It's well known that I'm deathly afraid of the dark. I was frozen in place. <laughs> <laughs> Who touched my breast? <laughs> It was me. I had to check out your story. <laughs> so the what he says to the one guy, like he uh, did something, and then with his free hand, he did something else, and then the guy lifts his his hands, and they're both hooks. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know how he ate dinner. Right, exactly. That's what I thought that as well. I was like, "What do you mean he's got two hooks? How does how does that work?" Well, he how wouldn't need nobody... cutlery. <laughs> <laughs> How does he wipe when he's done? Oh, my hurt. God. <laughs> How do you eat dinner? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. There is, a, there is a more important thing that he obviously cannot do, and that's depressing. I know, right? <laughs> I can only imagine. Wow. Yeah, just when you think... Losing your hand is the worst moment of your life. Then you look down and you're like, oh, wait a minute. It just got worse. <laughs> He's got to uh, call Robert Kraft and get some uh, get some good spots. Oh, man. Absolutely. <laughs> what do you do? And I guess you have to wear, like, elastic pants all the time or, like, sweatpants. I mean, because you can't unbutton your jeans or zip them up or anything. We well, could probably zipper them up with just get the end of the hook on the little thing. Or like you'd have to wear <laughs> you'd have to wear like sweatpants and 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 pullover shirts. <laughs> right? <laughs> pullover! No, it's a cardigan, but thanks for noticing. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, and like what about washing your hair or Oh, my God. Or anything. Brushing your teeth. You can actually get the plaque out of your teeth, but you can't brush them. <laughs> I mean, hey. Really well. One thing, though, if he's got, like, an itch on his back, he's good. Yeah. That's where he got us beat. He's got, he's got the advantage there. 
Oh, you're right. He's well, then he is clearly, clearly superior to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Right? Pretty much. <laughs> There's always a silver lining. <laughs> I'm sorry, Al. I wanted to believe you. I'm calling the police. Freeze, baby. Where were you when the lights went out? I was outside in the rain. Were you? I prefer to think that you're the killer. Oh, my God. That's ridiculous. You have no proof. Uh, Don't I. Sit down. Yum. (laughs) I say that you never did go outside that night. That you waited by the door for the right moment, hit the light switch, dumped a vase on yourself to get wet, and stabbed your uncle. You still haven't proved anything. Like the man in the stall said to the man waiting, give me time, baby. (laughs) When we met, I couldn't help but notice your shoes, the same shoes you have on now. I used to sell shoes for years. Well, when I was a teenager, but not when I'm growing up because a real man would have jumped. And I uh, recognize these shoes. The Malaysian A220 stilettos. So cheap that the only ones who wear them are beggars and wives of shoe salesmen. (laughs) You couldn't have gone outside that night or any other night. Because these shoes are so cheaply constructed that they fall apart on contact with water, like this. And at that point, when when that happens, if you look closely, you'll notice that even though he's wearing a suit jacket, when he drops the shoe in and brings the shoe back out, there is then a close-up, and then his hand and nor his sleeve are wet. Ooh. And I was wondering, is he going to go in? The- it's so weird how my mind works. As he went to reach in, I was like, wow, he's going to get his whole sleeve wet. I thought the same thing. And guess what? As soon as he pulls it out, all I focused on was the shoe falling apart. (laughs) I didn't even look at his arm. (laughs) How weird is that? Like, I I saw it coming and then totally got – I zoned out of that too. Wow. (laughs) I did like that part a lot though, the way the shoe – (laughs) because this is the thing. I guess because he had been – wrong about accusing everyone else or whatever and and nothing ever goes right for Al. Right. I was actually nervous when he went to pull that shoe out. I was like, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. I was just, I was, I was legitimately nervous. And then when that shoe fell apart, I was like, oh, yay. A sense of relief (laughs) came over you. You were like, oh, good. He really is Dr. Shoe, isn't he? How silly is that, though, that I was so incredibly invested in that moment? (laughs) Well, baby, what have you got to say? I did it. Really? You're kidding. (laughs) No. I hated him. And I hated all of you. He was going to give the diamond to a museum. Yeah, so out of all the Van Pelts, it was Vanessa. The family surname may have been a reference to the Peanuts comic strip character, Lucy Van Pelt. Ooh, Lucy and Linus. They were brother and sister. Oh, yeah, Linus too, yeah. So she takes the pharaoh's eye out of her breasts. She didn't need to do that. I would have done that for her. (laughs) Great line by Al. So Al would have done that. He was touching the other chick's breasts when the lights were off. 
<laughs> yeah, he was all over the place in this episode. Yep. Well, when he de- when he turns the lights off to see if Tanya Van Pelt is the culprit, you can see her arms move up to her chest before she starts to scream. Because if you notice, she's sitting next to the fireplace and not completely hidden in the dark like the other people are. Mm. Yep, well, that's how I was able to see him, I guess. Right. <laughs> but nothing explains that first time. And why Tracy Lords decided to bring the Pharaoh's eye back to that house when they all got together to figure out who's the killer is beyond me. <laughs> um, For the plot, I think. Oh, right. We're watching a comedy. Duh. For, the, for the reveal. For that epic reveal. What am I talking about? I keep talking. God. I can't wait to stop being the show dick in the next episode. You were incredible. You broke me. <laughs> Take her away, Lieutenant. They'll probably put me away for 20 years. Will you wait for me? Before you'll be old. <laughs> Why would... What, is she suddenly in love with Al? Like, I don't even understand this whole exchange here. Yeah, it, it wasn't a thing. Yeah, it's not a thing. Right. Like, you, you saw what they were doing with it. Like, it, you know? Just for Al to give that line. Exactly. Thank you. So he says... She'll be old by then. Now, at this point, she was roughly 24 years old. So she would have been 44 when she got out 20 years later, which would have been uh, 2011 she would have gotten out. Mm-hmm. Today, Tracy Lords is 51 years old. Still looks pretty good. Yeah, I would say so. Now, just like the $50,000 bounty on Al's head... Al gets $50,000 from the museum for recovering the stolen eye. Mr. Bundy, I'm the curator for the Museum of Natural History. As a reward, I'd like to present you with this check for $50,000. Now that guy was played by David Wells. He's known for Basic Instinct, Beverly Hills Cop, He Was a Quiet Man, and Starman. Mm -hmm. And his name was Sandy, oddly enough. Sandy. Oh, Sandy, can't you see? $50,000. And it's real. It's real. <laughs> Al, you're making happy noises in your sleep. (laughs) But there might be something wrong. Wait a second. Wait a second. Where's the $50,000 that I brought home? You know, for solving the case of the Pharaoh's eye. Say what? (laughs) It couldn't have been a dream. It couldn't have been a dream. Uh, Honey, maybe I better get you an aspirin. Then we can just lay here together and solve the case of the wife who isn't getting any. (laughs) Have you guys ever woken up from a dream that you had some amazing thing in and when you woke up you were in disbelief that it was just a dream and you don't really have it? Yes. Ugh. 
Like, no, I've had such uh, vivid dreams sometimes where same thing. Like, I think I'll have more money than I do in my wallet or something. Because, like, in the dream, I went somewhere and and spent some money and remember seeing, like, a fat wad of cash. And then reality hits me. (laughs) And I got nothing. (laughs) I got, like, six (laughs) dollars. Wow. When I was a kid, I dreamed, like, I had skateboards and like Game Boys or whatever and then I woke up and it, there was nothing and like I remember like the things I dreamt about I loved and I was so happy I had and it was so sad to wake up and it wasn't there but oddly enough these days like I'd say in the past 20 years most of the time I wake up and when I realize the dream wasn't real it's a it's a relief like right. mostly bad things happen in my dreams and stuff that's me yeah like people are either dead or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So I have the opposite now. And not only is this a dream, but he keeps asking about other stuff. I like why I don't know. Like why wouldn't you just think that only this detective thing was a dream? Like now he's asking about other random things that have been going on for weeks. Right. And one of them, Grandmaster B being a dream. I know, and that breaks my heart. Like, wow. I love Grandmaster B. It is so, so sad. <laughs> it can't be a dream. It just can't. Kids! Bud, quick. Was I a detective wanted for murder, or was it a dream? Just might have been a dream, Dad. <laughs> Do you also call yourself street rapper Grandmaster B, or was that a dream? Oh, come on, Daddy. Even Bud's not pathetic Wait enough to... Wait a sec. Grandmaster B. <laughs> Chicks would be all over me. I could wear my hat backwards. Oh, man, I'm going to go write my first rap right now. Well, I think about this, too. Like, imagine all... When they found out that that she was pregnant, mm-hmm. so they did this whole thing, they would have been planning so many things... Because Marcy was pregnant at the same time. Right. So they had all these storylines and all these directions in which they were planning to go. Yep. With both of them having children. And just like Thanos snapped. Oh! <laughs> they were, it was suddenly over. Why you gotta go there, Jamie? <laughs> <laughs> we lost. We lost a lot of great superheroes that day. <laughs> So there's there's so much to talk about with all with all these implications. Now, does Grandmaster B not come back after this? He does. Oh, yay! Well, then that's just bizarre. Then that he would adopt this persona that originated in a, in dream, a dream that Al had. But then he says, "Wow, what a great idea!" So he that's how we are able to buy this. That was their out. They were like, "Oh, that could be the uh, new origin story." Right. Okay, well then, you know what? That makes me happy. I was afraid that he wouldn't. And honestly, this is the time period which, I think I've said this before, my viewing of the show at this point was sporadic. So I hope not sporadically. During original air. And these are not episodes that they ever did a lot on syndication. Hmm. At least when I was watching Mm -hmm. in syndication. Like I said a hundred times, I never watched this show in season. I just watched episodes and stuff. Yes, did I put a DVD in and just watch all of them? Yeah. But then maybe like a week later, I put a whole nother season in and put that DVD in. 
Right. But he does, and he was in, like, right away, though. He He's uh, Grandmaster B in The Mystery of Skull Island, which is, like, a few episodes from now. Rites of Passage, uh, My Dinner with Anthrax, which is a big one. Season 7, episode 23, Tis the Time to Smell the Roses. So, apparently, he makes his very final appearance in season 8, Proud to Be Your Bud, with his raider hat, jacket, black pants, and <laughs> he hung them up on a base in the basement alongside his other failed personas. Now I remember that, of course, when he mm. hung it up. And then they pan across to everything else he tried to get chicks and stuff. So still weird to uh, that I would even wonder if that was real or not. But with with something like that, though, um, in relation to this show. I'll be honest with you, um, as angry as I get is a, huh, <laughs> like, that's all it is. Yeah, that's like, all even it is. If it, like, you don't know, like the continuity in something like that, whether it's a dream, whether, you know, um, that persona from the dream carried over and, and how real it is. Like, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter at all because at the same time, um, I also think I don't know if they everybody knew it at the time, but everybody knows really what happened in that situation. So I think that all the liberties that you take from there on out. Oh yeah. Um not not that they that they can be like excused, but if you come from a place where you understand what they were dealing with and what they had on their plate and where they were going to go in the future. Like you said, they had probably all these storylines and they had to completely change that up. Now they probably had storylines before she got pregnant too, that they, that they had to scrap too. Do you know what I mean? Or they just had to add the pregnancy within it. They had to intertwine it. Exactly. Yeah. Interweave it. Yeah. So like, yeah, no, but like, yeah, it's just it's one of those things where if you know the story, um, the, the the liberties that they take, it's actually better because it serves the show. And like we said, Grandmaster B is just so, so classic that I feel like if you didn't integrate it again, it would feel like, oh, like, you know, kind of like everybody lost. Well, they, they probably thought it was t- so likable that they were like, well, I don't want to drop this, but he actually – did this during the pregnancy thing, so we have to act like that didn't happen either, you know, and then we'll randomly make Al ask about it, you know, so that's really all it is, so there's nothing to get up in arms about. No. Now, when Peg gets, it was funny too, knowing that this is the episode where she's back and, you know, she's not pregnant, I was trying to look at the bump in her stomach earlier on in the episode when they were Mm -hmm. talking, and I didn't really notice one. Um, I guess they didn't put like a fake one there for the beginning to throw us off when Al wakes up later and there is none. So I that yeah I yeah I did the same thing, man. I did the same thing and noticed the same thing you did. Yeah, you know she didn't look pregnant at that point. Yeah, and I didn't know that this was um, that episode. You know, the episode where uh, it was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Um, and that, so it was cool to see it unfold and I, I kind of picked up on it, but didn't think that much of it mm. when you, when you saw her belly in the beginning, but, uh, obviously, you know, it makes sense. But when she gets up to get him an aspirin, the look on Al's face. One quick question. That's all. Is your mother, uh, 
repulsed by you? <laughs> Disappointed financially and sexually by you? No! I don't care about that, you adults! Is she pregnant? Marcy? You think he's crazy? Well, he must be. He didn't ask about you. <laughs> He's kind of the three of these women, Kelly, be the most likely to get pregnant. Right. (laughs) I love that line. (laughs) So good. Yeah. So I wonder what it was like for Al or Ed O'Neill as an actor to have to look at Peg and make that face. And then it's like, I think that's why he didn't do backflips and he was like all joyful. Like, yes, thank God. Oh, you know, like something like that, because I think that yeah. would be a little too cruel considering what without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. so that's why they totally downplayed it. Like, it's almost as if if you didn't know that you'd wonder why Al wasn't happy. There's a line that you tow, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you got to take in everybody's feelings, but then you do have to move the show on. So every scene I'm sure was well thought out in terms of, like you just said, not going too far with it, not getting too excited about it. Like, let's get in, let's get out, let's address this, let's make sure it's funny along the way. And, you know, that's like a joke at Kelly's expense. So you can still work with it, right? but but let's get in here, let's figure this out, let's let's really um, be precise about this so we can get away from this, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And I couldn't help but look into Peg's face like thinking, wow, yep. she went through that and she's been gone and now she's back and putting her game face back on and knowing that, well, you know, got to get back on the saddle and um, we have a job to do here. We're on a great show and, right. and I just got to I got to keep it moving, you know, and I, I just looked at her into her face, I guess, and just just imagined all the conversation, all the the tears, all the emotions, all this, all that, knowing about the show and what's happened as, uh, you know, knowing that we're not doing it anymore. Right. As, you know, right. all that stuff. I just, like, try to read it all on her face. And, you know, she did a good job of just being Peg again, though. You know, it's not like you could really see it in her face exactly, you know. Yeah, and, and something like that too. Um, that's got to be, like you said, so tough hmm. for her to deal with. Um, at the end of the day, though, uh, it just shows how how strong of an actor as a person that she is to realize that. Yeah, the show must go on. This is my livelihood. Like this is I'm on one of the biggest shows, and that's just life. Like that's that's some real life stuff where you just have to adapt. You know, you just you just have to move on because something like that, like can easily destroy some people. But um, but yeah, like you said, she was very graceful in it. And she probably was one of the flag wavers in terms of like, oh, no, you guys like I don't care. You know, I think that she was probably she understood the character more than anyone. Mm. So I don't think she would be the first one 
uh, to be getting sensitive about all these things. I, I do think, though, all the writers and everybody else obviously took into account her feelings, which is where all this stuff. So it was probably a very mutual like, yeah, we got this. We nailed it. We hit that area where, like I said, you can move the story forward and not overtly offend anyone. Well, honey, I just took the last of the aspirins. I figured you'd just get a headache when you go to work. (laughs) (laughs) What's that for? Well, you dreamt you had $50,000, yet you still came home to me. That says a lot. It says that you really do love me. What would I dream that for? Because you do. I do not. Do you? No, it's just today. It's too late now for me to get anybody else. Well, that proves to be a false statement in the next episode. It's not too late, Al. You'll see next week. Well, now, see, that wasn't so hard. Oh. Peggy loves her detective Pooh Bear. (laughs) (laughs) Gee, honey, you know what I want to do now? (laughs) Same thing I want to (laughs) do? Well, let's get to it. You get the paper plates, I'll order the pizza. Oh, baby! (laughs) And she almost got a sex point in this episode. (laughs) <laughs> but instead, uh, what they wanted to do in the middle of the night, I, you know, I'm lost with the time. Even if it's early in the morning or they just got to bed or an Al was already in that. You know, he had the whole dream. I don't know. But I guess there's still pizza delivery at this point. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> let's not. Okay. Let's just, <laughs> let's just read this episode. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Now they're available on the TV Time app. Go to your app store and type in TV Time. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Now Dan, Jamie, and Alex are going to give their final thoughts on this week's episode. Okay, how many times are the lights going out for this episode out of five, Jamie? Four... Point five. I this one gets a lot of points for all of the the cameos that we have here, like all the guest stars. The fact that they nailed the noir bit, I just mm-hmm. think that was very funny. Even at this point, it was considered cliche to do a whole wake up from a dream and erase the whole last season thing. Ever since that happened on Dallas, like it's been it's been a running joke. Oh, Jack Dallas. <laughs> Wonder if that's why they did that. Wow. Hmm. Could be. Huh. Could be. But yeah, ever since they did that on Dallas, it has been a running joke and it's just like it's a funny trope. I don't know. Um and I think it was just a a good way to get out of what they were in because there was just no coming back from 
Right. That and it would be disrespectful for them to continue with Peggy being pregnant. Can you imagine? Yeah. You know, they obviously could not do that. Right. And they had to have some way to get out of it. And there really is no other way. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you had something tragic happen to her on the show, which that would also be incredibly disrespectful to Katie Seagal. So you, they just couldn't. There was really no other choice. Right. And I think they made it work, you know, and, and they made it work well and they managed to make it funny and, you know, were able to dig themselves out of, you know, a lot of stuff. They were able to paint themselves out of a corner. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> they started, they turned around and started painting the corner and worked their way out. <laughs> All right. How many times are the lights going out out of five for this episode for you, Dan? The lights only went out once for about two seconds, but in that time, I grabbed four breaths. All right. <laughs> no, for literally the exact same reasons Jamie just said. I thought it was um, – I thought there were some great jokes in here. Um, I did like uh, a couple of the Kelly jokes. I liked a couple of Bud's jokes. I did think that, like Jamie said, they did the noir thing. Um, you know, you've seen that many times on shows and I don't think that they got it wrong. No, no. On any step of the way. So, um and th- the guest stars, um I don't know as many of these people as you guys did. Obviously, I recognized uh Tracy Lords. I thought she was great in the episode. And uh you know, it was just fun. It's one of those episodes that um you know, it's it's not completely within the the normal setting of married with children, you know, but at the, like, cause, because it is a dream, a good part of it, but because they achieve what they achieved in this episode and did everything, how that combines and, uh, you know, relates to real life. I thought that that was done. Um, like I said earlier, um, very respectfully, and while still making it funny and it kept things moving and it kind of, um, you know, sets the table, so to speak, for episodes in the future. So, yeah, four out of five. I only give it a 2.5 out of five. What? <laughs> Just kidding, dude. <laughs> uh, for me, the lights are going out four out of five times. I really like it. It was just a good idea. Ed O'Neill obviously played a detective a few times before this. He was just good at it. He was great at adding a comedic element to this. Mm-hmm. It was great to see Peg back. All the jokes with the kids were strong. The sets looked amazing. Mm-hmm. Detective Agency, House, both both scenes. And, you know, it was a, a task. We all know what happened. And, you know, it's just like everything you guys basically said. Uh, they did it respectfully. They did it right. Um, Katie Seagull's a trooper just you know saying okay yeah let's address this I get it and doing it and the decision they made the way they all performed it all um, the noir thing was great Al talking over just really made this episode a lot better than it would have been if it was straight dialogue I think um, too all our ratings um, while they um, are, are a lot of the times very much similar I think for this episode, um, the reason for those ratings are pretty much exactly the same across the board. And that's why we all give it a four for all of those reasons that obviously we mentioned. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
I'm just not giving it a five because it's not like, oh my god, I, I can't wait to watch Al Bundy shoot dick again, you know? It's <laughs> it's not one of those kinds of episodes to me. I want to watch Alex Edwards show dick. <laughs> you just heard it. <laughs> oh god, oh dude, what you just said, if you think about that, is bad. Oh yeah, no, take that out then. <laughs> oh, that sounds even bad too. Wow. Oh my god. I thought you know yeah, you do want me to take it out. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh. You guys are the worst. Wow. Yeah, so you know, not much to say that you guys didn't say. <laughs> I'm just picturing Alex looking like Mac and me. <laughs> oh god, yeah, walking backwards out of a room. <laughs> covering up. Whistling. <laughs> Yeah, everything you guys said, there's really not much to add. I think you both nailed it. And, and this was a really fun review. It was a lot better than I even thought it would be. So, fun times. So, for more of these great times, be sure to tune in next week as we review So This Is How Sinatra Felt. Peg sends Bud and Kelly to spy on Al when she thinks he's cheating on her. Mm. Ooh, who could it be with? 